0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Top 100 Clubhouse, the ultimate podcast for golf course enthusiasts worldwide. I'm your host, James Henderson, and we're about to embark on a journey through lush fairways and breathtaking landscapes, as well as delving deep into the minds of fascinating individuals from every corner of the golfing universe. Get ready to explore the world's top golf courses through the eyes of those who know them best. This week, I caught up with Ian Forrester. Ian Forster's the head pro at Hoons House in Holland, and then he's also the Dutch PGA archivist. So we go into the history of whether Scotland or Holland invented golf. Yeah, welcome, Ian. What's your connection to golf? What started it all off for you?
1: Well, I, uh, I come from a family that's been playing golf since 1880, so... Uh, <laughs> My uh, great-grandparents played golf and my uh, my grandparents were both scratch golfers in, uh, in the 20s and 30s and my parents were, my mother played for the English team and my father got to the quarterfinals of the Scottish Amateur so uh, wow. I didn't really have any choice, it was golf or nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so you've moved to Holland and you're part of the Holland Heritage Committee.
1: Yeah, I, I turned pro in 83 and I moved to Holland in 88 to become a head pro at a, at a club and I got involved with, uh, with hickory golf, uh, set up a hickory business in, in Europe and because of my knowledge of old clubs, the Dutch Golf Federation invited me to become a member of the, the heritage uh, committee of the federation. And, and what
0: took you to Holland?
1: Uh, basically, just a chance. Golf was booming in Holland, and uh, it was just a chance to teach a lot. And I went for a season and forgot to come back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, where did you first become a teaching pro? Where did you?
1: Well, I was an assistant at Allowa, Shaw Park, yeah, and then I moved to Richmond Park and did a couple of years there. And from Richmond Park, I moved to uh, the south of Holland to. Uh, Golf Club Hoon's House, which is close to Maastricht, and I've been there for 35 years. So, uh,
0: Wow, yep. quite a while. And yep. what got you into hickory golf?
1: Well, my grandparents both played hickory when they were uh, playing top level golf, and uh, some of the clubs had passed down through the family and uh, ended up with me. And at first, I thought it was a, more of a curiosity than anything else, and then I, I started trying a couple of the clubs. And enjoyed hitting them, and inherited a few more clubs when my grandmother died, and and then I went crazy and and started collecting uh, everything I could find.
0: What drew you to hickory at first? Was it just the love of the game, or was it? Yeah,
1: the the pureness of of playing with something that's relatively difficult to use and challenging, and. Uh, yeah, the ability to shape shots and uh, work the ball, which appealed to me.
0: Uh, and you now have a business in hickory golf?
1: Yeah, I have a, a rental business in uh, in Europe. I have about 70 hickory sets, um, which I <laughs> rent out usually to clubs who are having a centenary or a special occasion. But also for businesses that are doing corporate days, and uh, and I go all over Europe combining it with my work at the, at the golf club when I can and, yeah, get people involved in uh, in Hickory Golf.
0: It's such a interesting part of golf and a lot of people describe it in the fact that there's nothing to hide behind when you play a modern golf club.
1: That's true. There's nothing to hide behind, but strangely, psychologically, it, it works well because you have something to blame when you don't play well. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's not like you, you beat yourself up if you have a bad day. A bad day of hickory is still better than a, a good day with modern golf.
0: <laughs> very much so. So you're very involved in the, the golf scene in Holland, yes. obviously with the heritage stuff. Um, and Holland very much sees himself as the founder of golf and not where we are in Scotland.
1: There are certainly people in Holland who feel that golf came from Holland. Uh, and I've done quite a lot of research in this, and uh, in the 1650s, there was a lot of uh, what the Dutch called golf with a with a K played, um, sometimes on the land and sometimes on ice, um, and even a couple of hundred years before there was uh, versions of golf played. So it was a game that developed simultaneously with golf in Scotland, and we know there was a lot of uh, trade between Scotland and. Uh, uh, and Holland uh, Holland was a big producer of uh, of feather golf balls and and sent a lot to Scotland we know that scottish medical students almost all of them went to leiden uh, to to finish their medical uh, uh, training uh, and they brought golf clubs with them and there's actually a golf club in holland called a scottish clique which was developed by Scottish medical students in sixteen round about sixteen fifty, and we've actually just found a couple of uh, of these uh, club heads. So there's there's a, a very plausible link between golf in Scotland and and golf in in Holland. Uh, there's also a, a Latin uh, school book where the the rules of golf are described uh, described, and they're very similar to golf rules. I d- I don't claim that uh, golf was developed in Holland, but there was certainly a uh, a very early golf like game that was played in Scotland uh, played in Holland.
0: So the difference between golf in Scotland and, and golf in Holland sounds in the original days sounds a bit like they played golf courses here, whereas a lot of the historic col- golf stuff was more yeah, ice based or
1: it was played. Uh, in nature, and not on fixed golf courses, but they did play from a specific starting point to a hole uh, in the ground. uh, And they played a series of holes. And so, uh, yeah, there there are definitely similarities, but there were no uh, developed golf courses at that time. It was just uh, develop your own golf course for that day, basically.
0: And what's the first uh, golf course that Holland recognises or still?
1: Um, The first course made in in Holland was uh, what's now called the Royal Hague, which I believe is the number one golf course in the rankings uh, worldwide uh, for Holland. The club started in 1893 and a Scottish pro from Musselburgh designed the course, uh, John Duncan Dunn, the famous Dunn family. Uh, And he said it looked quite similar to Musselburgh. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because it was built on a on a racetrack or oh, close wow. to a racetrack, yeah, yeah, and there were a couple of more courses built in uh, eighteen ninety four and eighteen ninety five. So that that's the beginning of of modern Dutch golf.
0: Is there a catalyst for that? Is there a reason why?
1: I think similar to in Scotland, it was the it was a game for the for the well off to start with, but they they were doing business in London and doing business in in Scotland, and I had seen the game and. Uh, and felt that it was a suitable game for people of, of their class and, uh, and decided to, yeah, to, to set up golf in, in Holland.
0: And why was there an obvious gap between golf and the first golf course?
1: Well, golf died out and became a short version of golf, which actually ended up being played indoors. And that is still played today, but v- a very small scale. Uh, and we're not really sure why it, why it died out I think it became very popular in the small uh, Sort of ice period in the, in the 17th century A lot of golf was played on ice Although it was played on, in the summer on, on, on the ground as well uh, And I think at the end of the, the small ice time it, it, it kind of died out So
0: what's the indoor form of golf?
1: Uh, they play with a sort of um, hockey stick a ball that's somewhere between a tennis ball and a football, size-wise, quite heavy. They're pushing the ball over a court uh, to a target. And there are several clubs in Holland that are still, still play. And uh, these clubs are from uh, 1600, 1650. So that's... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, they're old uh,
0: old clubs. And is there any evidence of the game developing a lot because of that, or changing that, that old-school golf...
1: No, I think that there was definitely a period where there was no golf played in the ho- golf and, and almost no long golf played in in Holland. And actually, the first um, the first area of golf to be played in Holland was played in Indonesia, which was uh, Dutch Indonesia at that time. There were a lot of English people there, and in the eighteen seventies in Jakarta, they they started in Bavaria. They started uh, playing golf. And then 20 years later in uh, in Holland, uh, it developed. It stagnated a little bit. There were only four clubs for the first 20 years or so. And then around uh, about 1910, there were a few more clubs. And then Mr. Harry Colt arrived in Holland <laughs> in the 1920s. And he built uh, 10 golf courses, of which eight still exist. And that was really the, the trans- transformation for golf in Holland. Uh, all of a sudden, we had... Uh, We had eight really top-class golf clubs where uh, where golf flourished.
0: Is that who designed the Royal Hague? Was it Harry? Yeah. Uh,
1: The Colt and his partners, uh, Alison and Morrison, were involved in all of the courses. And uh, Alison and Colt did the Hague, and Colt did uh, famous courses like the Kenimer. He built the original course at Nordwijk, which has now disappeared, but there's a new golf course there. And the Pan and the Eindhoven are all cult courses, along with uh courses that has partners made morrison uh Toxandria and the dommel so uh, we're blessed with some uh, some of the finest heathland golf in Europe,
0: yeah, well, you see them regularly popping up on rankings, a lot of dutch golf and uh, it must be quite an exciting thing having these golf courses on your doorstep.
1: It's very exciting. It's, uh, people don't realise, but you could you could fly to Amsterdam and within a half an hour drive, you could play on, on five courses that are probably in the top 100 courses in Europe. So uh, it's a, an unknown but incredible golf destination.
0: Out of interest, are those five, are they Harry Colt?
1: They're pretty much all Harry Colt. The only one that's not Harry Colt is uh, the Rosendals, which is uh, a famous a famous course. But he wasn't involved there. But all of the other really well known uh, old courses uh, are comes from the Colt or his partners.
0: Does um, is there any other prolific designers in Holland?
1: Uh, not really. There were. Um, Hawtree uh, built uh, the Nordlikes uh, course the famous Lynx course and uh, there were a few golf professionals uh, Henry Burroughs uh, built the first, the first holes on the Hilversums uh, and then Colt built the, the second nine holes and, and developed that in an in 18 holes course and we have a very quirky Lynx nine holes course called the Domberg uh, which has a lovely story because uh, it was built in 1914 by a, by a golf pro, by Charles Warren. Uh, but the bunkering is uh, thanks to uh, a frigate in the Second World War who was shelling uh, German defences, and all the bomb craters turned into bunkers on the course. So it's, uh, That's so cool. Yeah. So
0: the bunkering is just completely yeah. scattered. There's no so, design... Uh,
1: the the joke is always that Harry Colt must have been on this frigate firing uh, <laughs> firing uh,
0: bombs at the at the golf course. Well, Harry did love a bunker, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. There's um that's so cool. You're mentioning there's another nine hole that the fairway is heather.
1: Yes, the Ullaberg Golf Course is probably the last remaining heather golf course in the world. Uh it was built in nineteen twenty three by a a Dutch amateur who uh, was one of the best players, amateur players in Holland. And he was asked by a a wealthy family who had a large estate to build a nine-hole golf course. Uh, And because it was very low maintenance and it had been done in Holland before, they built it on, on heather fields and just cut the heather down to about an inch, which they only needed to do once a year. And it meant you had a, a playable, uh, low maintenance golf course, and the family members of this uh, estate uh, all played golf there. But the course still exists. It's the host for the Dutch Hickory Golf Championship every year, uh, and it's a fabulous experience to what's to it, go there.
0: What, what's it like playing off heather? Is it
1: on the short heather? The ball tends to stay high on the heather, so it's actually quite. It's almost as if the ball's teed up. You can't take any divots, but it's it's quite playable. Chipping's very difficult because the ball gets stuck in the heather. And if you if you miss the fairway you're in a world of pain because uh, the the high heather is impenetrable.
0: Yeah, it's almost impossible yep. to play out of when you get into a heather bush. I've been there and for my sins have never got out. Yep.
1: <laughs> but interestingly the 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 niblick, which is basically a pitching wedge in hickory golf clubs. It was designed with a negative bounce on a sharp front, front edge. And that was specifically for cutting through heather and uh, heavy grass. Uh, so the, the Niblick wasn't a pitching club back in the day. It was actually a club to rescue yourself out of bad situations. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very interesting. When the Niblick was invented, was that kind of in a solution towards after the long nose stuff? Was that...
1: Um, well, the first Niblicks were developed in about uh, 1860, 1870, and they were called track irons, so they were had a very small head, and they were used for hitting the ball out of uh, the tracks that uh, carts had made, horse-drawn carts, ah, okay. and the head expanded in size to make it easier to use, but it was still uh, a club with a negative bounce for cutting through heather, rough... Uh, out of bunkers with footprints uh and only really in the 1920s did they did they change the bounce angle to make them more like a pitching wedge that we know today
0: have you, have you got a couple of the older style
1: i've got lots of other the old <laughs> ones as well yes
0: <laughs> what's your uh, favorite hickory golf club you've got did you have any that are just
1: well i have thousands um <laughs> In my own set, I have a few very special ones. Uh, some of them have been designed uh, as copies of Bobby Jones's um, 1930 Grand Slam set, and these are quite rare and, uh, and very nice to play.
0: Am I right in saying uh, Jack White did his drive, Bobby Jones's driver? That's right. Did he do any of his other clubs?
1: Uh, no, he, he was—he uh, did the did the driver. He was well known as a, a designer of great woods. Okay. Uh, and Tom Stewart made most of Bobby Jones's irons.
0: Where was Tom Stewart based?
1: Uh, St Andrews.
0: Obviously, oh, St Andrews. Yep. Very yep. good. And have you got a, c- a couple of Tom Stewart's?
1: Uh, yeah, I play exclusively with Tom Stewart. So Do you I, actually? Yeah, and I, I have a complete set of uh, Tom Stewart's, Bobby Jones, uh, Francis Weemott set from 1930, which is uh, oh, wow. quite rare and very nice. Do you play with them? I played with them yesterday at Craigie Law. Oh, yeah. did you? Yes.
0: How did you shoot
1: um, well, it's my first time. I just bought them, so uh, I was uh, struggling to, to know how far they went. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to my own set today.
0: <laughs> how is the game of golf in Holland? Is it?
1: Um, we have the same problems as other countries. Um, we have about 400,000 registered golfers and about 220, 230 golf clubs. Uh, we have problems with the membership getting older, attracting young people to the game as a as a challenge. But it's a, it's a hel- yeah. It's still a, a healthy game. There's courses still being dev- developed. 1980s, 1990s was the was the big growth period for golf in Holland. But it's uh, it's reasonably stable at the moment.
0: Uh, is there many people building new golf courses in Holland?
1: Not a huge amount. There have been maybe one or two a year uh, for the last. 10-15 years uh, we have a f- couple of well-known architects um, uh, Bruno Stencils is a Belgian who built the International in Amsterdam where the KLM Open gets played uh, and Frank Pont is, uh, is Dutch he's quite well known for his restoration work of, uh, of cold courses and Kyle Phillips has done a couple of courses in, uh, in uh, the Netherlands in the last 15-20 years
0: What's the ground like in the Netherlands? It's a lot because it's obviously it's a very flat country. It's, it's
1: flat, but we have uh, we have some links land. So we have the Domburg as nine holes links, the Kennemer as twenty seven holes links, the Hague is eighteen holes links, and Nordwijk is eighteen holes links. So they are typical June undulation, undulations.
0: And um, what golf courses in Holland would you say, this is a must-play? These are my favourite. Well, favorite. these
1: four I've mentioned are definitely must-plays. And then you have the what we call in the UK Heathland courses of um, Eindhoven, The uh, Pan, Rosendahl, Hilversum, which are all uh, yeah typical Heathland courses with Heather uh, heather in play, and uh, good turf, sandy turf, so uh, they're, they're all excellent.
0: Well, most of Holland should be underwater, right? So. <laughs> there are
1: quite a few uh, courses uh, under sea level. Um, <laughs> in actual fact, uh, I think the Amsterdam's uh, golf club, which Colt designed, was the first course ever to be built under sea level. It's about 28 feet under sea level, and uh, oh, there's wow. still nine holes uh, there, but if... Uh, if a dike if the dike goes, we're we're going to lose a lot of golf courses in Holland. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, fingers crossed that doesn't yeah. happen. When you arrived in Holland, what did you expect? What were you?
1: I really had no idea. Um, I arranged to become a the pro at a club just with a telephone call, and uh, I'd never seen the course, so I, I turned up on a on a train and. Uh, I had no idea what to expect, but I discovered that, yeah, golf was booming. There were clubs being, there were 10 clubs every year being built. So, um, yeah, I was fully booked for lessons within no time. And, uh, yeah, that continued, uh, that continued for many years.
0: You're based at a golf club. What golf club are you based at?
1: I'm based at Golf and Country Club Hoonshaus, which is a parkland course right in the south of Holland. Very pleasant parkland course. I'm about uh, 40 minutes from Eindhoven. Okay. The famous Colt course in Eindhoven yeah. is probably the closest of the, the well-known courses to me.
0: Where would you like to play golf? If you had to choose a golf course for the rest of your life, that was going to be the golf course you play at. Is it a um, Dutch golf course?
1: It certainly could be, yes. A- any of the links courses, you would never get bored playing them. I'm also very lucky that uh, I live right on the border of Germany and Belgium. Tom Simpson built a couple of really nice courses in the area of Liège. Colt built a couple of nice courses in uh, in Germany, just over the border. So I'm smart for choice. <laughs>
0: well, it sounds like you're in the perfect spot. Yeah. And so, are you still in the same course that you? S-
1: I've been the head pro at my club for since 1988. Yeah. Oh
0: so, wow. Uh, and you were saying earlier you turned pro the same year as uh, Paul Laurie. Paul yeah. Laurie.
1: Yep. Um uh, my first assistance tournaments were, I think, the first assistance tournaments of Paul as well. So we, we played, uh, occasionally we played together. And uh, he's obviously had a fantastic career, which, uh, although I've uh, won the Dutch Pro Championship a couple of times, that's as far as it's gone for me.
0: <laughs> Is that quite a heated competitive event?
1: Uh, not really. It's more club pros playing Um the Dutch tour pros uh, were would would be playing on tour when the Dutch Pro Championship was played. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was more a club pro club pro championship.
0: And is the majority of your teaching uh, focusing on uh, the elder people in the club, or do you have a lot of kids? I have up?
1: everything. Um, I have I have people who are eighty five that have been having lessons from me since they were fifty. <laughs> um, Still don't understand why they haven't got better. Um, <laughs> but, I have. yeah, I have young kids and everything in between. So, well, that's great uh, yep. to hear that
0: yep. uh, Dutch golf is in such good fetter. How long have you been a part of the heritage side of things? When did you sign up with um, that?
1: Well, the Dutch Golf Federation was formed in 1914. And in 2014, they dis- they wanted to have a in a, in a, in a museum, they wanted to celebrate the, the hundred years of, uh, of Dutch golf. And they got me to organize, uh, that in, uh, in the museum. Uh, and at that point I became a member of, um, I became a member of the Dutch uh, heritage uh, committee. And I'm also the archivist of, uh, the Dutch PGA. Oh, wow. Uh, and actually just before I arrived here in Scotland, I just, uh, sent my manuscript to the publishers of uh, the Dutch PGA's uh, centenary book, which is in 2024. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite busy on the historical uh, aspects of Dutch golf.
0: What a cool thing to be involved in. When, yeah. When's the book getting released?
1: Uh, next year. It's, uh, so I've just finished the text, and uh, the publishers are now checking it. It's going to be published in Dutch and in English. Uh, it's a two, uh, bilingual book. And it will be published next year. So That must uh, be very exciting. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, what's
0: kind of, what takeaways have you got from the book? Is-
1: um, well, the Dutch PGA is the, the oldest PGA in the world that's not English-speaking. Oh, wow. It was the first non-English-speaking PGA. But I've gone right back to 1890. So it's basically a, a history of professional golf in the, in the Netherlands. Um, How cool. Mu- Starting with John, Dunn, John Duncan Dunn and, and going right through to the present day.
0: Can you tell us a brief, like a brief understanding of it? What happened throughout that period?
1: Well, yeah, the the, the, the first professional was uh, was Dunn. And a couple of young English pros came in uh, around 1900. And there were only two or three pros. And the PGA was formed in 1924. And they, they only, there were only seven founder members. So golf was a very small sport at that point. But the, the first pros in, uh, in Holland uh, were in charge of the caddies. And the 10-year-old caddies, by the time they'd become 20, a lot of them were good enough to be, become apprentice pros and became the first generation of Dutch uh, golf professionals. So it's quite cool to see how, how that developed over the years. Just just like in the UK, it were, it were all young caddies that learned the game by watching people and, and became professionals themselves.
0: That's amazing. Does um, who's the most celebrated Dutch golfers?
1: The first Dutch pro that played in the British Open was Jos van Dyke of the Pan, and he played in uh, I think 1927 in the 1927 Open. And then Gerard de Witt was the most successful Dutch pro in the 50s and 60s. He played uh, in the Masters three times. And won everything in Holland that was winnable. He uh, was a fantastic player. He played in the Shell uh, World of Golf against Byron Ni- uh, Nelson. He was a well-known international player at that time. And recently we've had uh, we've had a couple of Dutch players who have won the British Amateur. Rolf Muntz and uh, Rainier Saxton. And several successful touring pros: uh, Martin Lefebvre, Robert and Derrickson, and Jos Lauton is at the moment the most famous uh, Dutch pro.
0: Have you met a few of these guys?
1: I know most of them. Yeah, I've even had most of them playing uh, playing hickories occasionally. <laughs> oh, have you?
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And how do people receive the whole hickory stuff at your home club?
1: Uh, I think people. Some people think I'm pretty crazy. <laughs> um, a lot of people. I've, I have about ten or twelve people at the club who have their own hickory clubs who, who enjoy the challenge. It's certainly a, a talking point in the in the club.
0: Yeah, God, I can imagine. It must yeah. be quite fun. Do you throw any events on? It?
1: I've had a couple of events at my club, and we have about six or seven events in in uh, Holland uh, during the year. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's good.
0: And where else is the hickory touring taken you? Is it?
1: As far as my rental business, I've been in virtually every country in Europe. Uh, I've done events in Germany, France, Switzerland, Belgium, Spain, Austria. Yeah, you name it, I've been there. So uh, That's all over Europe. And yeah. there's, a, there's a, quite a strong hickory scene in Europe. Every country has their own championship and their own events. So uh,
0: it's, uh, yeah, it's a small niche, but it's, uh, it's, it's good. What do you think would be the majors of hickory golf? What's the big...
1: There's obviously, in the UK, you have a, the World Hickory Open, which is uh, very prestigious. And then the, the British Golf Collector Society has the, the Scottish, the English and the Welsh Hickory Championships, which are also uh, prestigious as events. And in Europe, we have a, a European Hickory Championship and, uh, and then the national championships of most countries.
0: Does European move
1: around? Yeah, that tends to move around. Have you ever yeah, won any of the I've events? I've won it th- three times, I think. The uh, European? Yeah. I've won it in France and in Belgium and somewhere else. can't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How about any of the British events? Have you ever won any of those?
1: I've won the English Championship at Rye. That's that's yeah. the only one of the, the B- BGCS ones that I've won.
0: And were you saying that Rye, they only play at Riots where they host yeah, it? Yeah, Rye is host the it.
1: host of the English Championship and has been for 40-odd years, So, uh, or no, 30-odd years.
0: And what was Hickory Golf 40 years ago? Was it uh, seen as something just in the Attic? Or? It
1: was almost non-existent as far as golf is concerned. Uh, I would say the first collectors of Hickory Clubs were uh, got involved in the 1970s you could buy hickories for a pound or two pounds at that point. Uh, And after these people started collecting and had so many clubs that they thought, well, we may as well try to use them, that's where the the modern hickory uh, started again.
0: Do you think a bit of hickory is a a rebellion nature to the extremities that golf's going to with the modern technology? for me it
1: is a little bit. Um, I don't like the way golf's going. I don't like the way golf's got bigger, the courses are getting longer, the balls are going further, the clubs are getting easier, the clubs are hitting the ball further. Yeah, the manufacturers will tell you that's that's the way it is, but I almost think you need to shrink the game to improve the game. I think if the courses were shorter, just like Kilspindi today, and you're hitting shots that maybe a, a good drive's going 240 yards... That's just as filling for, as, as hitting a 300-yard drive with a, with a modern driver. But your, your footprint is much smaller. The club needs less ground. It needs less fertilizer. It needs less of everything, which is maybe something that the modern game can learn from, from hickory golf. The, the new local rule, which uh, might limit the length of the ball, uh, I applaud that, but I've got a feeling it's not going to be enough.
0: They've taken a lot of time to decide on it. And yes, it's not really. But I can
1: I can assure anybody that the thrill of hitting a a two hundred yard shot with a hickory club is just the same as hitting a three hundred yard shot with a titanium driver and a and a modern ball.
0: Well, that's the thing. A lot of these golf courses, the great golf courses like here at Kilspindy or um, what Harry Colt was designing in the twenties, they are now falling foul to the fact that these balls are, are flying are, yeah. so far. I
1: mean, I'm, yeah, I'm an oldish man now. I'm not hitting the ball as far as I used to. I'm 57, but uh, an old Harry Cork course comes alive when you, when you get your hickories out. It's, uh, you can really appreciate what he's done and what, what he's trying to challenge you with.
0: It's, um, is there anything that you've learned from being a pro in uh, Holland that the world needs to hear?
1: I think one thing Holland's very strong on is their environmental uh, uh, rules as far as course maintenance. Uh, Holland has basically gone to a zero pesticides, zero fungicides. Uh, we're trying to use as little water as possible. I think most clubs have accepted that that may that may cost the the speed of the greens it might slow things down you might have to keep the grass a little bit higher but i think in order to keep golf uh, acceptable as a, as a as a as a large sport that's probably the way that the world's going to have to go
0: yeah very true um, do you do a lot of that at your at the home club
1: we're trying to, i think all the clubs in Holland we it's have just to do it because every- uh, if if we cut the greens too low, um, and we get uh, sickness in the in the greens. We're we're not allowed, as far as uh, the government rules, we're not allowed to oh. treat it with uh, with pesticides or fungicides. So, I didn't
0: realise it was a rule that.
1: Yeah, we're. I think we're the got the strongest rules in the uh, probably in the world.
0: Do you think it hinders golf courses a bit, or do you-
1: I think the the changeover from the the old way of thinking to the to the modern situation is difficult because people expect to have greens that are stint 10 and if all of a sudden to keep the greens healthy you have to go back to stint 8 that's that's confrontational for a lot of people but that's i think that's the way golf's got to go so uh, yeah really... i think that's probably the biggest lesson that uh, the world can learn from dutch golf
0: it's amazing that it's the touch that are leading the charge. You know, it's they led the charge originally, and now they're leading the yeah, charge. Well, down.
1: yeah, I would like to think that we're doing our we're doing our best.
0: And is it quite? A, are you quite a close knit group? The management, uh, the heritage side, as well as the
1: yeah, a lot of the members are from the old established clubs, which is is good because I, yeah, we have interaction with uh, with with uh, with the clubs where. Uh, where the visitors come and where poor people want to play and these the the Hague is beautifully conditioned but again it's uh, it's it's not using pesticides it's uh, it's using nature to to prepare its golf courses it has to
0: play by the rules right yeah. yeah and um is there golf courses that you still haven't played and want to play in Holland or are you ticked off most I of I the- think
1: I've pretty much played them all um, the only the only course I haven't played is the new course, uh, the international in Amsterdam, and uh, I'm very good friends with the architect, and he promised uh, a couple of weeks ago that we would go and play this year. So that will uh, that will tick off. That's the last one on the bucket list.
0: <laughs> Who um, who's designed that? Who's yeah, that's Bruno uh, Bruno oh, is that? okay. Yeah, and he, has he done quite a lot in Holland? Or he's a- done a
1: lot in Holland and in Belgium, uh, in Germany. Uh, yeah, he's he's quite well known and. Uh, in the sort of North European area,
0: what would be his prize golf club? What was his?
1: I think he's probably most well known for the for the international in Amsterdam. Um, I think the the European Tour guys loved uh, loved the course when they played the KLM Open there, and they're going back. I Think they're going back this year, or no? They're going back next year for the KLM Open. So uh, that got yeah, a That's lot. Great. They really liked it, so that was good.
0: Well, I know you have to get away to be able to get your jacket on and uh, go and have dinner with the rest of the team from the World... The Scottish Hickory Hickory. Championship. And you're having a dinner in Kilspindy tonight? We're
1: having a dinner in the clubhouse at 7 o'clock, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: And is there anything you want to add just before we close out?
1: No, just, uh, as I say, if if the listeners uh, fancy a off-the-wall uh, golf trip, I would say fly to Amsterdam, ad- arrange a few of the f- more famous courses in advance. You're, they're all very welcoming if you if you apply in the right way, and uh, you'll have a, an incredible golf uh, trip.
0: Well, thank you very much, Ian. It's been great chatting to you. Okay, it was great chatting to uh, you. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. Thank you very much to Ian Forrester. It's great having you on, really informative. If you enjoyed the pod, please like, share, subscribe. It makes a big difference to us. Also, feel free to contact me, james at top 100 golfcoursescom A few people that we're going to get onto the podcast because of their emails. So keep firing them in. It's great fun to speak to you guys. And remember, play fast, lunch slow.